Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast. How much do you know about the clothes you're wearing? Do you think you could start your own line of clothing products if you had to? Would you be shocked to know that it could take as long as two years before your first product launch and sale? I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie, and this week's guest, Martina Carello, is a fashion industry facilitator with over 30 years of experience working in the field, both running clothing lines and helping those hoping to join the fashion community to break through with success. Let's find some way to market a pineapple leather product, because now that I know that's a thing, I can't stop thinking about it. Welcome to the show, Martina Carello. Hi there, Colton. Very nice to be here. Very nice to have you on. Uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? So uh, my name is Martina Carello. I currently live in Calgary, Alberta in Canada, uh, originally born and raised in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada as well. Um, and I have been a professional in the clothing industry for 30 years. Um, I started by studying um, fashion design and fashion marketing and just have been in the business ever since. Um, so I currently own Color Alchemist Canada. Uh, we've been in business five years and our core business is helping people with that in the, in the middle thing. You know, everyone's got that big idea and everybody sees the final product, but what happens in between that? How do we get from an idea to the production floor? And that's where we help our clients discover that whole process. So we're in a sense, we are almost like uh, apparel engineers where we help develop all the technical aspects um, of a garment and bring it to life. Yeah. And that's very interesting because it's one of those that you don't think about if you're the regular person like me. I look at my clothes and I think, oh, such nice clothes. And that's about the end of the thought process. I'm not like, man, somebody had to go through a lot of steps to get here. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are surprised at all the steps that it takes. I mean, after 30 years of doing this for myself, it's pretty simple to see. Um, but it can be quite overwhelming for um, startups or young companies that are looking to embark on developing their own products and, and marketing a product for their specific uh, clients. So, it, you know, it's, it's a journey for myself as well. And one of the things that I've learned, there's, there's a lot of very common questions. And I'm sure they'd be the same questions you'd be asking me <laughs> on what that process is and how that works. You know, um, it's not an overnight thing. People think, oh, I want to start a business and I want to launch next month. Um, but when it comes to developing your own clothing, you need to plan sometimes as much as a year or two before you can actually launch a proper, depending on the type of clothing company you're, you're planning to start. But it is a longer process than people expect. Yeah. So what are kind of the quick bullet points if you're looking at something to say like, all right, here's, you know, step one is like, you name your business. Step two is whatever. What are the kind of quick steps that you expect people to make this one year, two year journey on to, to launch? So I'd say one of the first thing is being a small business up against a lot of big giants in this industry, because we have a lot of big giants there. One of the thing is the larger um, companies, they have their target markets and they do provide products that are a little bit of a, a broader group of people. When you're a smaller company, a core to potential success, and I say potential success because it really is, like any business, the effort you put into growing your company, um, is really trying to define a niche area. Niche areas tend to do quite well. And really understanding what a pain point is, what is the solution you're providing, and to whom you're providing this for. I mean, really clear on who you who you want to develop this product for. If it's just a matter of, oh, I want a brand and I want to start a fashion line, that's not enough, right? That's really not enough because there's so many, so many things that um, you can do. 
But if you really focus and hone in on who you're trying to develop for, that would be the first step. And a lot of people who do come to me, if they don't have that understood, um, I basically send them off with homework <laughs> because I can't develop a product that I know will benefit your final consumer if you don't know who your final consumer is, right? So I would say that would be the first step. And sometimes that um, research process takes longer than most people expect, right? Depending on how much they're willing to put into the work. So that would be step one. Yeah, and as long as they don't come to you with the least niche idea, they're like, yeah, I want to make t-shirts that people can oh. screen print on. And you're like, great, there's there's 30 <laughs> giants that do that already. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I probably get 10 calls a week um, saying, oh, I have a brand and I want to start with a t-shirt and I want to have it screen printed. And it's like, no, I'm not taking your money for that. Like there's promotional companies. If you're just wanting to get a brand name out and a t-shirt like everybody else, go to a promotional company, get it screen print, you know, learn how to market yourself. You know, there's a lot of people who become very successful with that because they're good, great at marketing. But if you're really wanting to come out with a brand and your, your, your scope of product is a t-shirt, the t-shirt should be a result of something. It should be a representation of a greater solution that you're providing. So maybe you're trying an outreach in a different, like in a social context or something where your um, your your mandate of your business is to help a certain group of people or to help a certain you know uh, initiative. And the t-shirt is a way of raising money for that. I think in those perspectives, people wanting to design a t-shirt um, can do well because it's not about the t-shirt it's about the cause <laughs> right but if the t-shirt is your business if it's about the t-shirt and that's your fashion statement then yes 100 percent. it's it's there's a lot more work that has to go into that before you can come forward and people think it's the simplest thing and it, it really isn't yeah and we talk about you know definitely not being the easiest thing to get into and you're definitely competing uphill quite a lot how did you kind of find your place inside of this market? Like, what was the journey to being who you are now? The journey, well, um, the journey started uh, many years ago with having family in industry and, uh, you know, just being surrounded by, um, by a lot of it. And then um, I had not wanted to get into this field. I'd actually gone into liberal arts direction first, um, wanting to do different things. My goal had always been to be in a position of service to to work in an, an area like healthcare. Um, that was an area that I was very interested in. Anyway, you know, fast forward, I decided I would just go to fashion school and um, see where that goes. And within after my first year, starting my just prior to my second year, I had teachers. Uh, finding me work. So I started working in the industry before I graduated um, and specifically more so in the technical area. And it's just been a journey ever since working for multiple companies, learning as much as I can. And then finding myself in Calgary where there was virtually no real fashion industry in comparison to other major cities in Canada like Montreal, Toronto and Vancouver. Um, and having many people come to me wanting to know more and how do I start a business and Color Alchemist Canada actually when I had registered the company I, I was like I'm on an exodus I don't want to be in this industry anymore I'm going to just start a arts like an art center and that's what <laughs> was supposed to happen and then all of a sudden floods of phone calls came in oh I'm starting a business can you help me with this can you help me with that and I had been freelancing on the side with some other um, companies. And I, I'm like, you know what? This is what I really do best. This is what I know. And this is how I can help people um, in understanding this industry better, in helping making this industry better, um, in helping them understand that it doesn't have to be like there's we can build communities within this industry and we can be whatever it is we want. We choose to be as a collective, right? You don't have to play with the big guys. Like there's there's a place for everyone. It's just harder when you're um, 
with this whole new drive to local and smaller companies, a lot of these smaller companies are really the innovators of future movement. So being in that position is always the hardest place to be, right? It takes resilience, it takes handholding, and it takes a community to take people to that next step. And so I just kind of found myself there and uh, I love it. I think it's probably the most fulfilling thing I've done in this business. Um, there's days that are really hard. There's days I want to give up. <laughs> and um, but then I just look at the people that are, you know, really wanting to make change and, it, and, it, and they're an inspiration to me to continue doing what I'm doing. <laughs> That's awesome. Because yeah. thankfully, there are people like you that can, you know, bring these smaller people together that are, you know, individual innovators and bring them into a full community where they can kind of thrive and grow on each other's strengths. Exactly. Yeah, there's so many areas that don't ever get that. And you see people just kind of struggle forever alone. And that's, that's rough. So to see people like you that can bring people together over something is really fairly inspirational, I think. Thank you. I mean, I, I don't see it as inspirational. I, I, I feel like I'm the one that gets inspired the most out of this experience. And I think when um, like you really learn, you really, when you're in a situation like this, you really learn the power of giving and how giving gives back in so many different ways. And it's not just, you know, like people, you know, we've come to a society where it's all about money and it's all about power and it's all about being on top. And, um, you know, that's not where the real satisfaction comes. You know, there's more to life than all of that. And just bringing people back to their passions and, and things that mean, um, mean something to them and wanting to give a part of themselves to their customers. And those are the people that I choose to work with. Like, there are a lot of people I, I will turn away <laughs> and it's not because I don't want to help them, but I feel that in order to create a community that is on the same pathway, people have to be part of that like-mindedness of wanting to take it to the next level. And the next level is not just the next level of business, but the next level of who they are as a person. So that's important to me with, who I work with. <laughs> yeah. Really and have you seen more and more people coming out over the last couple of years? Because it feels like we all had these very regular, like nine to five days and then a pandemic happened and, you know, whether it was severe in your area or it was very mild in your area, it seems like everyone kind of started to pick up, you know, the thing they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, that was very much me as I was before the pandemic, I was like, man, I really hope somebody makes this show. And then in the middle of it, I'm like, you know what? Nobody's making this show. I guess I'll just make this show myself. Um, have you seen a lot of that happen over the last like two years, especially? Yeah. Like one of the first things people say when they call me is like, I know nothing of this business. I'm not a designer. I have sketches, but I'm embarrassed to show them to you because I can't draw. And that's a perception that a lot of people have with the fashion industry that it's um, that you need to, um, you know, have certain skills. And I would say the majority of my clients are actually real life people in other fields who are done with their nine to five and want to pursue other things. And those are the people that actually come forward with ideas that have purpose. They're designing with purpose. Their ideas have purpose. They have a mission. They have a goal that's beyond just the clothing. And those are the people I feel like they, 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 you know, I've always wanted to do this. This is something that's always been on my mind. You know, I've been an engineer. Or I'm a teacher. Or I'm a nurse. Or I'm a doctor. Or I'm a, you know, they, they've done very significant things in their lives. And these are the people that tend to get it the most because they've worked really hard to establish who they are and where they are in their life. And they've come to a point where like, does it still matter to me? Am I giving something back to, to the world, right? And so I would say 80% of the people who do call me are 
exactly in that phase, in that position where they want to do something different and bring something different and something forward, right? Yes. So would you encourage someone, say I started drawing and I don't know how to do any of this, so I'm going to be talking a little bit vaguely, but say I drew up dress designs and I, I I know nothing else about it. I don't know materials. I don't know patterns. I don't know anything, but I have a really cool design that I think is good. Do you recommend those people come in so that you can kind of pair them up with somebody or would you recommend that person kind of learns, you know, the way to make that dress for themselves? So um, we don't normally work with people that are just coming to design a dress themselves for themselves. If that's the case, we do have, I do have a lot of people I know that are very talented um, designers that work uh, one-offs and are are happy or, or very skilled at doing that and providing that service. But if someone comes up to me and they're like, I want this dress and I want to market that dress, that's what we do. We take them through the whole technical process here. So we are able to show them, okay, this is step one, this is step two. So first is the target market, like I'd explained before. Once we know that, then we can take them through the whole phase of pattern making, sourcing fabric, understanding um, the language between your like the technical language you're going to need to work with factories if you choose to work with factories right um and then the 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 type of challenges that they're going to be facing in the market um with you know production and understanding you know it's interesting because when i i've had a few experiences where i've had engineers that have wanted to start clothing businesses and they're like oh well you know building a bridge is way harder than building a t-shirt or building, you know, and it absolutely is. There's a lot more risk (laughs) involved in a bridge falling than a t-shirt falling apart. Right. Like there's no comparison. It's, it's common sense for sure, but they don't realize that, that the amount of steps that it takes to build something that simple and how many different things can go wrong just because of fabrics and dyeing and machines and the operator on the machines and, you know, there's, they, they, they'll tend to be like shocked at how complicated it can actually be. And nobody really talks about it. Like it's a really hush, hush industry in that respect, you know, where um, they don't want to, people don't want to reveal secrets. People don't want to reveal um, these types of things. Or you can find bits and pieces online, but what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What's the first step? What's the second? What's the third? Where do I go? How do I know, you know, what I'm doing? And um, discretion is important. Like in our in our case, um, I never talk about who I work with. I don't advertise my clients or who my clients are on online, on social media, on anything. We're like ghost designers for them. We help them and from the back end, we do have a lot of clients that are very happy and proud to advertise that they work with us. And that's always fantastic, but it is not an obligation. It is not something that we care for, right? What we care about is we're helping people get their ideas on the floor and, and that they're on the right path. So yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. <laughs> no, I think it was a good answer yeah. to the question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes me think, I know a lot of engineers, so I know how some engineer thoughts go which is just like yeah I took x fabric and I made y product and it's like you should not make underwear out of wool Uh, so that seems like the engineer thought to me and I'm sure some of my engineer friends will say like hey I listened to your thing and there's nothing wrong with wool underwear and I'm gonna say I think you're wrong but That has to be a large learning curve, though, coming into this, myself and so many others, I'm sure, look at our clothing and are pretty much infantile in our amount of information where we're like, yeah, I know fabrics, there's cotton, uh, there's denim, and there's polyester. And you're like, great, that's three of them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it, it, it gets pretty complex, especially today um, with the whole sustainable movements and um, people trying to be a lot more transparent as to where their fabrics are coming from, how they're processed, how they affect the environment, um, how they affect labor and the people that are actually, you know, picking the cotton and milling the cotton and spinning and, and weaving and what countries are coming from and regulations, etc. And it's a really 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 complex overwhelming area for a lot of people to um, uncover on top of having to understand the process of how they get an idea to, to production right so that's why it's like a year or two year process that's why it takes that long for a lot of i mean i've had i've turned around some companies in six months um, to market those are the people that came in already with a little bit of an understanding of what it is they wanted to achieve right but for a lot of people it's a struggle and it's it's naturally a struggle it's not that there's anything wrong with them or they're not understanding something but um you know with all this pressure of having to be everything for everyone in this new world i mean it's always been there but now it's more important it's you know you have to pick your battles you got to pick pick a cause stick to that and be transparent with your customers as to what you can and cannot do what you can you know we can achieve a lot of things but not everyone can achieve everything at once when they're a startup right they they have to learn they have to um, bring things forward slowly and i think it's it's uh, a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is until they're they've gone through through like a very large portion of it and they're like oh my goodness what am i doing <laughs> right um it, it's it's a very common reaction that a lot of the people i work with discover right or people who have been on the road like a lot of another customer base i have or people who've been on the road for five or six years and then find me right and like I can help them sometimes, but they've already come with the information and all the, the learning curves that they've discovered on their own. And it's very admirable that to see that they've stuck to it as long as they have, some of them, right? Just having to discover this and, and, and you know, having no one there to really guide them or getting like, again, snippets and like, what came first, chicken or the egg? Where, where do I start? And sometimes it's an overlap where it's not this is first and this is second. It's not always chronological, right? The the steps that you need to take and the information you need to um, to get. But there is a very strong component of making the right decisions, right? Um, and that's that's an area that I help people with is helping them define what decisions are best for them. And not so much telling them, but you know, giving them suggestions and having them navigate those areas themselves, right? Um, and it's a learning process. And I don't think anybody in business stops learning, <laughs> regardless of what business it is, right? Um, they never stop learning. I never stop learning. I learn every day. Um, and even from the people who I'm there to teach, I learn from them. So it's yeah. a, circle of life. I can definitely see that yeah. where it's, you know, no matter how far you are into an industry, you can always get a little bit deeper until eventually you are the deep end of the pool. And now it's your time to discover things. Pe no one knows. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of the fun that I've had with this show is like, okay, you know, like you've said, you get 30 years deep into this process. There's a lot of people who are going to make it five years in and be like, I know everything. And you're like, yeah, come take a step into the office. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about this. <laughs> yeah, and you know, make you see why you need me. <laughs> right. And also, like, sometimes, like, you know, I'll be talking to some, especially the real young ones, right? And they they want to hear, you know, they want to hear, oh, you're just fantastic. Oh, you're going to blow to the world. You're going to be the next star. And they may as well be. But they need to understand how hard and how long it's going to, you know, that there's other things to factor in because a lot of people don't succeed right away. 
and you'll make a lot of mistakes along the way and there's a lot of things to think about and it sounds like a discouraging chat but it's not intended to be it's intended to help them understand that there's a you know there's a lot of learning involved there's a lot of persistence that's needed and that the bottom line is the will has to be a strong one you need to have a purpose and a meaning for what you want to achieve these days and what message you want to bring forward it's not just a matter of like a lot of people will be like oh i just want to have a fashion brand and i want to be a cool designer and this and that's great but i think to cut it in this in this industry you need a lot more than just wanting that you know you, you this is a lifestyle that you're choosing you know it's um yeah <laughs> it's it's a lifestyle this process um and you got to be wanting to do it so yeah and i think everybody wants to be the instant success you know we've all seen the movies where it's like this person came out of nowhere and now they are the top of the industry it's like that's great and you can dream about that but the likelihood of it happening is you know one in a billion and there's only 7 billion people. So if you're not one of seven, like it's just not happening. Right. Or you don't know how, what that person had to do to be that instant success. They're an instant success in the, in the public eye, but they may not have been an instant success in reality. They may have had multiple failed businesses till they got there. They may have had been working on this idea for five years. They may have had certain struggles that, we don't know about, right? And and that's, um, you know, that's what separates, I think, people who um, will succeed at anything in life, not just in this industry, in anything, is that you have to have um, like a, you have to have a solid pathway, but at the same time, you have to be flexible enough to recognize the opportunities along your path. And um, also recognize that, Sometimes, you know, it's not just the easy path that's going to take you to the best outcome. Sometimes you got to take that, you know, that untrodden path and, you know, <laughs> with your machete through the woods and just, you know, and, and, and hammer through that area to get to where you need to go. So in order to, to have the, 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 you know, the initiative to do that, you need to really want to have to get somewhere. Right. Yeah. So that's, you know, and that's one thing that I admire a lot about a lot of my clients is that many of them, that's what it is that brings them to me. That makes them like, makes me want to work with them. Right. And learn from them is that they have that, uh, that goal, uh, that goes beyond the, beyond just the final outcome it's the journey it's always the journey you enjoy the journey the out you'll love the outcome if you hate the journey doesn't mean the outcome is better <laughs> right then you're just stuck there so yeah that's uh yeah that, yeah absolutely and it makes me think to when you're saying you know your easiest way to get into this is to find the niche market you yeah. know if if you're making plain white t-shirts like you're going to have a hell of a time, but do you advise people like how niche should it be? Like, should I focus if I'm starting my fashion industry today, should I focus on exclusively like leather duster jackets or can I focus on like jackets in general? Like how, how specific should your niche be? So I think a niche is not so much about the product, but it is about the person who's buying the product right? So what in the market, what group of people have been struggling with the problem? And how can you solve that problem first? And then once you've discovered that, what is the product that can solve that problem? The next step would be, is there, are there any products like that, that exist on the market already? And how are they serving this market best and where are they deficient, right? So 
what you want to do is you don't want to reinvent the wheel. You want to really ensure that whatever is really working in the market for this particular niche group of people remains consistent in your product. But how do you take that product to the next step to give them more of what they need, right? And, and, it, and that's more of how a niche product will work and find success is really focusing on who you're making it for and what they need it for and what problem you're solving. I think it's the basis of all businesses. And I think when it comes to clothing, people see the whole fashion aspect of it first. And you know what? It's great to have a fashion brand if you're bringing, you know, but at the, again, even as a fashion brand, sometimes there's a very specific group of people looking for that specific look or that specific trend, right? So a um, lot, lot of the companies uh, that do, I find do turn around quick are ones that come out with what we call the one hit wonders, right? They come out with that one real strong product that solves a problem and grow from there. And it's great because it really gives them an opportunity to learn the process focus on one key item, focus on their customer, focus on, you know, that whole learning process, and then, then move on to adding extra things to their, to their, so there's different ways to go about it. Um, but I would say that that would be the most um, certain um, pathway for people that are interested in, in, in moving into a, a clothing product based business. Right. It sounds like, you know, solve a problem. Once you've solved a problem and you have a very healthy base that enjoys your product, Mm -hmm. you can feel free to get a little bit looser Mm -hmm. where it's like your new product doesn't necessarily have to solve a problem. It just has to be marketed to things these clients also enjoy. Exactly. And And they will tell you, they will tell you. Clients will tell you, do this. Can you do this? Can you add this? And it grows from there. It's the whole community aspect of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So when you start introducing people to, they're like, okay, I have the product. I know what problem I'm solving. I'm trying to push forward and they want to find like their fabric. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you kind of guide them to like, oh, you need a wholesaler or there is a factory in the Philippines I want you to work with, or there's this guy that works out of his shed. Like, where does the, like, how do you start figuring out which thing you need? So that actually happens at the very beginning. So we're at that, where I was talking about there's overlap on things, right? So when you're looking at developing a product and you're looking at price points and who you're, you got to not just know who you're going to sell to as the final consumer, but what kind of distribution channels are you looking at? Will you be selling online, direct to consumer? Are you interested in wholesaling, right? So having your product in stores. Um, What is important to you? Are you um, interested, like, do you care where your products are made? Or do you wanna stay local, right? Does your price point or the price point of what your customer is willing to pay support you, you know, having a made in Canada or made in the U.S. product that's ethically made? Because we have unethical factories in the Western world, too. Like people think that everything, oh, we want to stay ethical, so we're going to stay local. Even at staying local, you have to be careful with whom you choose to align yourself with, right? So those are are areas that are really important at the initial stages. And from there, we're able to help them navigate what fabrics would work and then what fabrics work best with the product, what fabrics serves the expectations of your client, (laughs) down to what factory can support your needs at that point for the production. We do some small production ourselves in-house for startups wanting to do, let's say, 20 pieces, 30 pieces at a time to get them out, get them out there and then transition them to bigger factories as they grow. Do you want a growth platform? Do you want to be uh, a company that's going to be selling, I don't know, 20, 30,000 units a month? Or do you want to be more of a slow fashion brand that, you know, cuts like 
a limited amount, but is at a higher price point. So those are all those things we evaluate first before we take them on that path. And then we find and we align them with the suppliers and with the makers and with the pathway that helps them get to the next step. And that's the navigation area that's very like where you can't just Google and find out that path. Um, there's a lot of trial and error and you know, 30 years has brought a lot of trial and error. So that's where I'm able to help people with better decisions, the best decisions, life changes, industry changes. I can't say that I know everything, <laughs> right? But I can help them in that respect. So that's where like a lot of the overlap in the development in this process happens. Yeah. And you'd say that, you know, there's a lot of people and I'm sure there are a jillion companies that make cotton like right. that is not unique to any one area. It's got to be like no. the most used fabric of all time. Are there any fabrics that when you see someone wants to work with it, you're like, okay, this one's going to be really hard. Like there are so few distributors or it's impossible to verify if it's very ethical, anything like that, that you run into. Um, I think, I think the hardest area to navigate, as you'd say for myself, I'm sure there's specialists in these areas are more the animal based fabrics, things like leather, things like, you know, cashmere, mohair, wool, you know, there's a lot of big question marks, um, that, um, come up with those things. Like you don't want, you want something that's, um, void of animal cruelty, you want something also that's dyed without toxins and all of these things. Um, and, you know, just understanding also there's a very strong vegan component out there. Like a lot of people will just not wear animal, anything from an animal because they're vegans and that's respect to be respected, right? Um, so when we start talking things like vegan leathers and, um, with most of them are oil-based and plastic. <laughs> That's a whole gonna, other conversation. I was say, um, what is a vegan you know, leather? Even, right? <laughs> so we do have a lot of new innovative things that are coming on the market, um, like things like mushroom leathers and pineapple leathers and these types of things too, um, that are, are the foundations are, are not so much um, in development within Canada and the United States, but more in South America, you see a lot of um, development happening in, in, in that part of the world, but it's still relatively new. And I think the thing with all fabrics we've seen in the past, like cottons and linens, the, the common ones, we've seen so many times that innovation comes forward and we think it's the best. And then, you know, 10 years later, we find out, oh, that is not helping our environment or this is happening or that's happening. So I think what it's done for me in the last 30 years, it's made me a little bit biased or a little bit cautious about, you know, um, things. And I think the best advice I can give anyone is you do the best you can with what you got, with the information you got. You really try hard to find the root of things as much as possible but the most important thing is if you don't know everything you got to be honest about that you got to be honest and you know like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fabrics that are hard to navigate for myself it would be more the that's the more questionable one for myself where i'm having a really big learning curve is the whole animal based um you know fabrics etc they're beautiful they're luxurious everybody wants to wear it right but where where you know there's so many factors to consider and definitely something i am making an extra effort to learn more about um, so that i can help people with that yeah this is the first time i have heard of non-regular leather <laughs> so I'm having a processing moment, especially when you said like pineapple leather, pineapple my, my brain leather, started yeah. smoking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been around for a while. There are some companies that, you know, like it's just very innovative and it's not always very accessible to very small companies. 
Um, but um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in, in industry right now. Um, a lot of like people that are really trying to move, uh, you know, swing the pendulum forward into more sustainable areas. And I think it's something more and more people wanting to get into the business should be um, made aware of and take the time to learn as much as they can. And that's very admirable to take that step forward and say, you know, I'm only one person, but I can still make a difference. Yeah, at least in this area. I can, if I'm selling, you know, 30 units of this a month, I can still change 30 units worth of materials in the world a month. Like it's, you know, small steps make big steps. And if you are that person that's like, say I've, I've gone through this process even further with you, I've got my product and I know that I'm only going to be selling, you know, a small amount of them. Is there a best place where you say, like, should I self-list this or is there a better way to do it? Um, I think if you're, you're, you're working more of a slow fashion, as a slow fashion brand, I think it really depends what your ultimate goal is. Um, I think wholesaling has its benefits. Um, and the benefits would be that there's more exposure of your garment. You basically have an extended sales force, right? If your stuff is in stores. Those people are helping promote your product and your mission when you're you're selling direct to consumer, which most small businesses are most small businesses are working like with a, you know, online platform. Um, The most common and I would say the most the most common and probably the easiest one to work with now would be something like Shopify, because it does allow you to do many things and it's pretty easy to set up. It's not very expensive to to um to get started on on a platform like that i i actually had a maternity business for seven years an online business back in the early 2000s when online sales and like building a website to that extent was 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 labor intensive um, because there were so many components that you were responsible for where shopify makes it pretty simple for most people to get started now that doesn't mean that just because you have a website that people will come. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. A lot of people think, oh, I have a website. Now I'll just gonna sit back and I'm gonna wait for sales to happen. That's when, you know, you gotta understand like the internet and like online stores is like the sky and you're a star there, right? You need to work really hard at um, you know, things like SEO and 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 marketing on, on another level to bring your your product to the forefront. And I think that is probably the next hard step that a lot of, um, you know, and that again, that is something that is overlapped that they need to start doing before they even finalize their products. There's just so much to absorb. So hence back again to this year or two year process, right? Of, Of putting this together, especially since a lot of people are starting this as a side gig. Right. They're starting it and they're like, OK, I want to get this off the floor so then I can leave my job and I can do this full time. And that's how a lot of small businesses start. Right. So, yeah, I, I would I would probably veer closer to those that platform and for for direct to consumer sales, unless you yourself are a maker. So we do work with some designers that um, where we support them on the technical end with pattern making And if they have an overload of, um, they get an overload of of orders and they can't hand stitch them themselves, we step in and we help them. So we do have some, we work with like small, more local artists and kind of designers as well in that respect. And a lot of them, they will sell on platforms like um, Instagram. Uh, They will sell on, on platforms like Etsy. And, and they have more of a direct, like a, um, a reputation and a community that they have established on their own who are interested in what they're doing, what they're giving and what they're selling. So it really depends on the end result that you want <laughs> and how far you want your, your product to go and what your product is for, right? Yeah, it just seems like there's so many options. And obviously... You know, as you're saying, you have to market yourself. If I could just open a website today and sell things, like everyone would do it. 
right? You'd, you'd open a website with the easiest thing to sell of all time and you just let it fly off the shelves. That'd be great. But yeah, I've seen so many things online where it's like you can go on Etsy and there is, you know, made to order for a specific thing. And I don't know how hard or sustainable custom ordering things like that is for the person making it. But, you know, there are ways to build up an audience like that. And then you see people use major platforms like Kickstarter and they're like, okay, I want to launch an entire line of this stuff. You know, we're just going to get pre-orders essentially. Yeah. That's most of what Kickstarter is, is you're pre-ordering a product more than you are investing anymore. I have not seen like a lot of investment stuff on there over the last year or so. Grand, I try and stay off there because I will put a lot of money into interesting looking (laughs) things. But, you know, there's interesting ways that people can do things now that let them grow without having to follow a very traditional market. And that seems like an interesting place that you can kind of step in and be like, well, you have a great audience base. Have you thought about just going to this launch platform where you're pre-sailing things? And that is a, that's actually a pathway that I do encourage a lot of my clients to do is the pre-selling module, right? So um, that's one thing that we do is we help people get to that whole prototype level where they have solid prototypes that they can pre-sell and pre-launch. And we do have quite a few small businesses that we work with that um, take that, that route. And it's a very smart route because especially if it's something that you're doing to kind of get off the road so that you can transition into something else, it really teaches you um, with a, with a minute, like there's a big investment in time and money to get to that final product, but taking that final product and producing it in a large quantity is another, is an even bigger chunk right? And like having to do all that marketing, etc. Like that's probably where most of your money is going to go. So this gives you an opportunity to put it out there for the target market you've researched and get the feedback you need from these people. Get the feedback, update your product, maybe have to redefine your final consumer. You know, maybe you'll notice that there's people that you didn't think about um, in this group of this targeted group that that's interested in your goods, right? So it broadens your scope in understanding what the real need is and have opening that communication with your final, you know, your, your final consumer. And so it's an excellent way for people to do it um, and to ensure that they have a higher chance of success. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about this higher chance of success and you want to you know, do the best you can. Do you see any like really big pitfalls or traps that, you know, the n- new people to the industry commonly fall into or should avoid? Um, a couple traps are, um, I would say one is not closely defining who you are, who you're after. Um, also wanting to emulate these big brands. So, oh no, I need to come out with a 10 piece collection and I need to have this many colors and I need to have all of that type of stuff. And some people are very adamant about that. And even I, I warn them, <laughs> you know, or if they, um, they wanna be everything to everyone is another thing, right? So it just takes you back to that niche area. So I find if, if people try too hard to be everything to everyone as a small company, you'll end up being nothing to no one, right? Like, and it, I think that's the biggest, the hardest trap that people fall into. Another thing is not taking the time to really understand and learn what you're doing, um, putting things in the hands of the wrong people too, which sometimes is not their fault. <laughs> You know, like sometimes you just come across the wrong people and it's not that they're bad people. They're just not the right fit for you. And a lot of money is lost trying to get them to the next step. So there's just so many of them. But I would say the most important would be people not focusing on 
the product and who they're servicing. Like that to me, I find their community. Who is your community? Who are you focused on selling to? If you don't know who that is and you don't know where they are, you're just shooting things into the sky and like <laughs> hoping it's going to land somewhere. Yeah. It's a yeah. lot of like finding an identity and then not stretching yourself too thin. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I appreciate this immensely. This has been a lot of information. I think I yeah. definitely didn't know coming into this. Oh, um, awesome. I'm still going to be thinking about mushroom leather for the next three days <laughs> minimum. So that's going to be a whole ordeal for me. But uh, I have appreciated this a lot. And I was just hoping to give you some time to kind of tell people where they can find you and more of what you do if they're looking for it. Sure. So everyone can find me at my website, www.coloralchemist.com or email me at martina at coloralchemist.com. It's color with a U, uh, Canadian spelling. Um, we also are on Instagram and Facebook. Nothing too exciting. We're not really big social media buffs with the business because uh, we are really low key. Um, but we can be found under the handles of at Color Alchemist Canada. And um, I, we are coming out with a women's clothing line as well um, for the 40 plus generation X women, uh, which should be launched uh, in the next couple months. And that company is Mikasula, M-Y-K-A-S-O-U-L-A.com. Um, so it's just to look out for that. And that is um, just our, our, our brand. It's a passion brand that we're bringing forward. Um, and yeah, and that's where people can find, can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for doing this. I've appreciated it immensely. Yeah, I've appreciated it too. It was really nice meeting you, Colton. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast. Remember to share this show with other people and give it a review if you are not one of the 19 people who already did. Special thanks to those 19. The rest of you, you know who you are. Remember, you can always email me if you have a question, a guest or topic suggestion, or anything else that's on your mind. Dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com. I swear I'm getting back around to scheduling my Texas trip. It's just fallen kind of to the wayside because of other more pressing life events. That said, I am already confirmed for San Jose, California the first weekend of August. It'd be fun to see some fans and hang out. Before I leave you, we've got the rankings update. Number one, still the United States, but now with Oregon finally clawing the top spot away from Oklahoma. Number two, the United Kingdom. Number three, Mexico, almost overtaking the UK now. Number four, Canada. And number five, New Zealand, just barely beating out Sweden. That's all I've got for you this week. I'll see you in the next time. Bye-bye. 